0: Welcome to the Infotainment Podcast Initiating Startup Sequence. Hi, my name is Randy, and the Infotainment Podcast will begin shortly. I will be around mound to podcast sound, pound for pound, best podcast around. Happy happy Halloween, Halloween. 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 folks! I would like to to, welcome all all my five hundred million million listeners. listeners. Let's get this Halloween 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 started. 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 (laughs) Since this is being recorded a Halloween night, (laughs) and nothing going on because of the COVID and uh, nothing fun to go to. So uh, this first item is for your Halloween digestion. Instead of candy, eight uh, weird stories about Halloween. Okay, we have the first unusual and weird story about Halloween. Halloween is a time for candy, costumes, and the Charlie Brown cartoon special, which is now, (laughs) I think, a thing of the past, or it's gone to a streaming service or something like that. But how did it become this way? Why are children and teens encouraged to run around the neighborhood? Threatening tricks, jack-o'-lanterns, are a pretty strange concept. But historically, strangers give you candy was supposed to be a bad thing. You may already think that Halloween is a pretty bizarre holiday when other celebrations can inspire both a sexy Olaf costume and spooky drones. Mm. That said, sexy snowmen can't snow women for me. Uh, can't handle a candle to Halloween's truly bizarre origins, even if that's just because a snowman would melt it if it held a candle. Chances are you really have no idea just how weird Halloween truly is. So here are the eight facts to fix that. Originally, you had to dance for your treat. Most experts trace trick-or-treating to the European practice of mumming, or guising, in which costume-wearing participants would go door-to-door, performing choreographed dances, songs, and plays in exchange for treats, according to Elizabeth Plex, celebrating the family. The tradition cropped up in America, where it would often take place on Thanksgiving. Hmm. In some early version of trick-or-treating, men paraded, Door to door, and boys often followed begging for coins. Most of these early trick or treaters were poor and actually needed the money, but wealthy children also joined in the fun. Door to door begging was mostly stopped in the 30s but reemerged later in the century to distract kids from pulling Halloween pranks. Now, there's a guy in Russia. To make stuff. Alex Labs it's called. If anybody could pull off a Halloween uh, costume for a kid, he could. He's already made a lot of cool things for the Iron Man costume. I wouldn't be surprised if he could make the full outfit and it would actually do stuff. Halloween is more Irish than St. Patrick's Day. Halloween's origins come from a Celtic festival for the dead called Samhain. Celts, uh, believed the ghost of the dead, roamed Earth on this holiday, so people would dress in costumes and leave treats out on their front doors to appease the roaming spirits. Granted, the Celts were not solely based in Ireland. When these costumes started taking shape around the first century B.C., but as will be talked about more in a later section, the Irish Celts were the ones who invented the jack-o'-lantern. This Halloween prototype was eventually disrupted and adapted by Christian missionaries into celebrating, uh, well, c- celebrations closer to what we celebrate today, including partly by the not-Irish St. Patrick, whose work was later mostly recognized by Americans. St. Patrick's Day was basically invented in America by Irish-Americans, said Philip Freeman, a classics professor at Luther College in Iowa. According to National Geographic, the holiday was only a minor religious holiday, until the 1970s in Ireland. So it's not all that Irish. I feel like we're talking about St. Patrick's day more than Halloween, but and for what it's worth, St. Patrick's probably wasn't Irish himself. His color type was of blue, not green. And that story about banishing snakes is, is actually a metaphor for his tramp over Irish paganism the type of paganism that invented Halloween. There we go. If you've been around for the earliest Halloween celebrations, you might have worn animal skins and heads. Ooh, that's got to smell good. <laughs> and they show a costume that looks like a, a dinosaur head on, uh, the dinosaur head with a ghost-like uh, bedsheet type thing for the rest of the body and, uh, Homer Simpson, uh, Green Eyes. According to ancient Roman records, tribes located in today's Germany and France traditionally wore costumes of animal heads and skins to connect to spirits of the dead. This tradition continued into modern day celebrations of Samhain, the Celtic holiday that inspired Halloween in America. On this day, merrymakers often dressed as evil spirits simply by blackening their faces. Oh, that really go over well nowadays. The leader of the Samhain parades wore a white sheet and carried a wooden horse head. Oh, that's what it is in this picture. Or a decorated horse skull and shades of the Godfather. <laughs> that, uh... Pivotal scene there. A modern Welsh version of this costume is shown above. Young people also celebrated by (laughs) cross-dressing. Well, you can see that on any other day (laughs) in some areas. Uh, I think RuPaul has a a show about it. That goes out to all the cross-dressers. Jack-o'-lanterns were once made out of turnips beets and potatoes not pumpkins and boy uh it's just as well we went to pumpkins (laughs) by the looks of these things turnips really gotta smell good but well neither does a pumpkin after it's uh outlived its freshness uh i guess that's the beet one that looks really hideous but uh, the jack-o'-lantern comes from an old irish tale about a man named stingy jack according to folklore stingy jack was out getting hammered with the devil when jack convinces drinking partner to turn himself into a coin to pay for the drinks without spending money jack then put the devil shaped like a coin into his pocket which also contained a silver cross that kept the devil from transforming back. Jack promised to free the devil as long as the devil wouldn't bother him for a year, and if he died, the devil could never claim his soul. Jack tricked the devil again later, giving him, well, getting him to pick a piece of fruit out of a tree, and then carving a cross into the bark when the devil was in the branches, this trick bought Jack another 10 years of devil-free living. When Jack finally died, God decided he wasn't fit for heaven, but the devil had promised never to claim his soul for hell, so Jack was sent to roam earth with only a burning coal for light. Hmm, what fun is that? He put the coal into a turnip as a lantern, and Stingy Jack became... Jack of the Lantern or Jack-o'-Lantern, based on this myth. The Irish carve scary faces into turnips, beets, and potatoes to scare away stingy jack or any other spirits of the night. Halloween used to be a great day to find your soulmate. Well, I'm still waiting. In some parts of Ireland, people celebrated Halloween by playing romantic, fortune-telling games according to Nicholas Rogers' Halloween from Pagan Ritual to Party Night. These games allegedly predicted who they'd marry and when. Since Halloween, like Valentine's Day, was one of the main celebrations of the year, where young people could mingle with the opposite sex. It was also considered a good day to scope out a sweetheart in America. In this day of COVID, it's not a great time for that. Uh, What a sexy mask you're wearing. In America, young people, particularly girls, continued the old Irish tradition, games like bobbing for apples, tried to predict future romances according to the Oxford Encyclopedia of Food and Drink in America. Well, I I would invite uh, Kate Beckinsale and uh, Scarlett Johansson to come over and, well, I wouldn't be bobbing for apples, but uh, let's see. In a few American towns, Halloween was originally referred to as Cabbage Night. Yeah, throw a cabbage into the kid's candy bag. <laughs> this came from a Scottish fortune-telling game where girls use cabbage stumps to predict information about their future husbands. In the early Framingham, Massachusetts, teens skipped the fortune-telling and simply went around throwing cabbage at their neighbor's houses. I guess throwing of eggs came later. <laughs> according to the Framingham legends of and lore. This was no isolated tradition. In late 19th century America, country boys reportedly rejoiced in throwing cabbage, corn, and assorted rotten vegetables. According to Candy, a century of panic and pleasure. Hmm. sounds like a certain type of movie there starring candy some animal shelters won't allow the adoption of black cats around halloween for fear they'll be sacrificed yes i've heard that one before it's unclear whether black cats are actually sacrificed around halloween but various animal shelters refuse to let people adopt cats in the lead up to the holiday linda Garibaldi, director of the Cat's Cradle in Morganton, North Carolina, told the Huffington Post that the shelter does not adopt out black cats during the month of October because of superstition and the concern that the wrong people who might harm them might adopt them. This type of ban is starting to wane, however, When reached for comment, Emily Weiss, Vice President of Shelter Research and Development, or the ASPCA, said, Years ago, this used to be pretty common, that shelters would not adopt out cats during Halloween for fear of something horrible happening to the cats. But we don't hear too much anymore, and many, many shelters are actually holding a special black cat promotion around the holiday well that's good i hope they all find good homes aspca provided a list of a few of the black cat adoption promotions that have been tied to the holiday as weiss put it most people who go to shelters to adopt a pet are not going to adopt a pet to sacrifice into a ritual well that's a, a good thing And here's the eighth one. Studies have shown that Halloween actually makes kids act more evil. Well, it's probably the sugar and all the candy, actually. (laughs) As io9 points out. I don't know what that is exactly. Putting costume wearing kids into groups and introducing a clear object of desire, such as candy has been shown to lead to (laughs) whatever that word is. I'm not going to try and butcher that, which I would. This psychological term explains what happens when a group of maturing young minds begin to care less about the consequences of their individual actions, leading them to do things that they might not do alone. One study in particular found that unsupervised costume children in groups were far more likely to steal candy and money than both non-costume kids and children not in a group. Another similar study found that masked children were significantly more likely to take more Halloween candy than they were supposed to if they believed there was no adult supervision. And there you have it, folks some weird facts about halloween Righty then, let's move on to some other spooky stuff. Now, if you really want to watch some spooky stuff on television, you forget Halloween, forget Friday the Thirteenth. Watch Doctor Pimple Popper. <laughs> oh my God, I I can't watch that show for very long. But this one was kind of interesting. You know, normally uh, you'd watch something like somebody with a lump squeezing out like two tubes of white toothpaste. But uh, this guy, a uh, construction worker or whatever, carpenter, came in with a moving lump on his uh, thigh. He was wearing sweatpants. And when he first uh, showed her that, uh, she found out he wasn't wearing any underwear. <laughs> she was a little freaked out. And he goes, well, where I come from, we don't wear underwear a lot. And I'm going, that's kind of a weird answer. (laughs) But when she cut that thing open, it was like someone stuck a yellow brain inside his leg. Oh my God. It was horrifying. (laughs) But I think She uh, might have convinced him to wear underwear to future doctor visits. But she cut that thing out and sewed it up and he was uh, happy with it. He lived with it for about 12 years. Thing was huge. Now I got something else. Funny ghost stories. Funny stories about ghosts are perfect for sharing tales around a campfire. One funny ghost story tells about a skeptic who takes a dare to visit a cemetery at night in an attempt to prove to his friends that ghosts don't exist. The next morning, the friends find him trapped in the cemetery when another skeptic is invited to join a group of of professional paranormal investigators. He's confident that he can debunk whatever the haunted house throws at him. He soon learns a valuable lesson about tempting a ghost. These funny stories about ghosts are perfect stories for kids. Now I'm going to do a dramatic reading of A Knife in the Grave. This funny ghost story tells how friends Tom, Fred, and John were sitting at the cafeteria table during lunchtime. The three friends were discussing local urban legends. According to my uncle, his friend walked into a cemetery on a full moon, and at the stroke of midnight, the hand of a skeleton reached up out of the ground and grabbed his leg. Tom exclaimed as he twirled his fork around the pile of spaghetti on his plate. Yeah, whatever, John replied as he rolled his eyes. So, um, what happened then? Fred stuttered as he stared at Tom with wide and fearful eyes. Well, they say that he was pulled down under the dirt. Trapped there, he died of suffocation. Tom answered, glancing back and forth at his two friends. Wow, Fred said as he broke a corner off of his cornbread and popped it in his mouth. Get real, that's one of the oldest stories about Greywood Cemetery. Everyone knows it's a bunch of baloney, John said, looking at Tom with disdain. Okay then, tomorrow night is a full moon. I dare you to stick a knife in the ground at midnight and leave it there. We'll check in the morning to see if you really did it, Tom answered, matching John's look with a smirk. Fine, fine, Tom said as he shoved his hand across the table. John reached over his plate, grasped his hand firmly and shook it. The deal was made. The next night, John crept silently into the dark and the foreboding cemetery. Uh, It was uh, far spookier than he remembered it during the day. Finally, he found a fresh grave plot that had recently been filled in. He quickly removed the jackknife from his jacket pocket and unfolded the blade. As he watched the moon's reflection dance over the silver blade, he realized that his hand was shaking. Whatever, it's just a story, just do it. He squatted down, closed his eyes, and slammed the blade into the freshly packed earth. He waited a few moments, nothing. He gave a sigh of relief as he started to stand at a very unusual moment, something tugged on his jacket. He tried harder to stand up and realized that something had a firm grip on his jacket and was pulling him down toward the ground. His heart froze and he screamed at the top of his lungs until all of his breath was expelled and he passed out. The next morning his friends found him asleep by the grave when they woke him he started to tell the story and then they all quickly looked down at his jacket where he had been grabbed and pulled to the ground immediately Tom and Fred burst into hysterical laughter John just sat there staring at his jacket the corner was pinned to the ground By the blade that he himself had thrust through it. A full moon. A paranormal investigative group in Connecticut. Were called to the haunted house. I guess this is a different story. The homeowners warned the group that the house was haunted. By an especially evil spirit. That enjoyed playing pranks. The team leader Of the Paranormal Society, invited a friend from Massachusetts to come along. He was a physicist and an amateur paranormal investigator who everyone called Doc. Doc believed that there was no such thing as ghosts or poltergeists and that every type of haunting or unusual phenomenon has a reasonable earthly explanation. The group traveled across the state of Connecticut in three vehicles filled with team members and equipment. Upon arriving at the home, the team immediately started setting up the monitoring equipment as the team leader and his friend Doc toured the home with the homeowner. At one point of the tour, when the three men approached the staircase, that led to the second floor. They heard very loud footsteps on the upstairs landing. Is anyone else home, Doc asked the homeowner. No, my wife's at work and we have no kids. The homeowner replied. Excited to have his first opportunity to confront an alleged ghostly spirit, Doc walked to the front of the stairs Come on, you can do better than that, you lousy ghost. Doc yelled up the stairwell. Doc, I wouldn't upset this spirit, the uh, paranormal team leader advised, but Doc ignored him. Instead, he stepped up onto the bottom step. If you're a ghost, why don't you show us that you can really do What you can really do? You lousy, no-good prankster, Doc yelled. The moment the last word came out of his mouth, his pants fell down around his ankles. (laughs) The homeowner and the team leader burst into laughter as Doc, terrified, struggled to pull his pants back up, then stumbled as fast as he could out the front door of the house. He refused to re-enter the house or talk about the incident ever again. However, the event went down in the records as one of the most humorous moments the paranormal team had ever witnessed in a haunted house. They still tell this funny ghost story to every new team member. Very scary. Uh, Funny, spooky ghost story endings. These two funny ghost stories give very different endings. The first one demonstrates how one man was his worst enemy and had unknowingly trapped himself in the cemetery. The second story reveals a mischievous ghost that sets out to put a disbeliever in his place. Both endings are the opposite of what the reader expects And the surprise element makes both stories funny and easy to retell. Scary Halloween stories are frighteningly good fun to share with family and friends. These are great to tell during parties or by simply telling them curling up by candlelight or a crackling fireplace. The Peace and Plenty Inn. The Peace and Plenty Inn was once a tavern and stagecoach shop before the Revolutionary War. Later, it was converted into a private residence. The sprawling red clapped clapboard home was welcomed. Many families in its almost 400 years, yet some people have felt very unwelcome indeed. One night just before Halloween, and came to the old inn to babysit for the Armstrong family. The three little girls had done their homework and were already in their pajamas and ready for bed. The Armstrongs left for their dinner engagements. Around 9 o'clock, with all three girls tucked safely into bed and settled in front of the television to watch a movie. About 15 minutes later, and suddenly felt chilled to the bone. She set her cola on the end of the table and checked the thermostat. The room temperature was set to 70 degrees and she could hear the oil burner chugging along in the basement. Hmm, that's strange. She thought it's freezing in here. She found an afghan on the back of the couch and settled back to watch television. A few minutes later, she heard heavy footsteps on the stairs leading from the kitchen to the second floor. Katie? Elizabeth? Laurel? She called out all uh, three children's names. The footsteps seemed to be coming closer. Are you girls playing a trick on me? Abruptly, the light on the end of the table flickered, flared, and went out. And checked the kitchen and the hallway. It was even colder back there than in the living room. Nobody was there. She shook her head and went upstairs. All three girls were sound asleep. She returned to the living room. Hmm, that's funny. She said as she looked at the television. I thought I left it on channel 2. It's on Channel 4 now. Uh, these were the days before remote controls. So she walked over to the television and put it back on Channel 2. She sat back in the chair. Suddenly the knob began to turn on its own, switching to Channel 4. Seven and then static. The voice whispered through the TV. Get out. With a shriek, Ann pulled the plug from the television. Mrs. Armstrong found her upstairs, curled up in an afghan, asleep at the foot of the children's bed. Ann, are you all right? Take me home, Ann cried. This place is haunted. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. These stories kind of... And a little bit uh, prematurely, I think. A little too uh, kid-oriented, I think. But I think it's time to put this podcast to bed. And I would like to let you know if you would be interested in looking at some pictures I took and uh, purchasing them for, say, a a card or postcard or whatever... You can go to randolph p i c f a i r dot And it has some scenic shots in the Rocky Mountains, some unusual butterfly pics, one alien uh, butterfly with green wings that I'm especially uh, proud of. I used to take pictures for a couple of school newspapers, so there are some interesting shots there if you might be interested in purchasing one of those, and also if you'd like to donate to this podcast, you can do so by PayPal at randyms12 at gmail.com. And the Pickfair address uh, starts out Randolph, R-A-N-D-O-L-P-H, 9292.pickfair.com. Now I think it is time to warp drive this podcast to the interwebs. You can check out my Facebook page. You can tweet my Twitters. At Randy Podcaster. You can email me a comment at randyms12 at gmail.com. Question or concern about this show, tell me you like it, dislike it, hate it, <laughs> whatever. But if it is good and say an under 10 minute read, I might read it over the air. But as always, have a pleasant day today and a happy ending tonight.